Welcome to the podcast. Today is the podcast. Thank you for listening to so many episodes of podcast. Um, that was real sweet of you to listen to all of that audio. And I'm joined today by the other two. And we're talking about Majora Mask. And specifically, we talk about the end of the game. Yeah, the moon. there's not much left, turns out. Where do we start? Well, we start at the beginning, which is like the first thing we did. I guess it wasn't the first first thing we did, but the first thing we did in the game is get to the end of the three-day cycle. Oh, yeah. And at midnight of the third day, the clock tower turns into a cool stage, and we get to go up there. Yeah. And the moon is up there. Um, We've been talking about this game and all the other stuff in this game and it uh like our discussion of it has lacked what the game has that is always present but rarely mentioned the moon hanging over everything and uh i think it's worth thinking briefly about how you know that moon has been there the whole time and it kind of informs everything else that goes on in the game but uh, it, you know, go back and listen to all the episodes thinking about the moon. We've definitely touched on places where the game talks about the moon. Um, yeah. but we haven't, you know, it goes unmentioned that the whole time you're playing the game, the moon's still up there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the mascot of the game. The mask? Art? Oh, wow. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's a spooky moon, and uh, we're going to talk about the nature of the moon in a little bit. But what happens when we go back there now that we have destroyed all four of the dungeons? You go back there and you play the Oath to Order. You have to remember, of time. remember how to play the Oath to Order. Mm-hmm. Because it's been a while. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting that, it, like... This is the song that gets used in exactly one place. That's kind of a shame. No, I like that. Yeah, I think that makes it extra important. Well, go ahead and like it then, I guess. (laughs) It's not like you're going to be able to summon the giants, like, whenever you feel like it. You're trying to do the, like, counting to ten minigame, and you're like, I need some help with this, guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bring it in that would be really rude um you play the oath to order the giants appear they come back to earth and they stop the moon from falling down or they don't or i guess the thing is b- before you play the oath to order there's the scene with talking to skull kid and tattle and i want to point out that like Playing the game and looking at the text dump, I have no idea how much variation there is in the text here. It seems like there's a lot of different little conversations that can happen here. And I think it might be beyond our power to record exactly what those variations are and how you see them. Well, I think I we know uh, there were variations. I think we had it before because you pointed out the first time that if you've already 
done a loop and gotten to this point, uh, Tattle will point out that, like, she knows that Tail's about to get walloped and stuff like that. Yeah, but I didn't see that when I was playing it this time. That's weird. Okay. Huh. So, like, that's what I mean. There's more going on than we can... There's some other really stuff going on that we'll get to in a second, too, with some of this dialogue that I noticed this time. Um, maybe I wanna, you should go ahead and say that. Well, no, I want to talk about first about sometimes the giants uh, won't show up or not enough giants will show up. If what? you do this, if you do this early, you can get a partial cutscene where the giants, oh. some of the giants show up and try to stop the moon and they don't. And it sucks. Wow. It's like difficult to watch. Oh, this game is wow. so tragic. <laughs> That's cool that they put that in. So I don't want to talk about... Uh, Judy. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> the uh, the cutscene with the, uh, the moon crashing is really difficult to watch. Um, I don't think I've ever even seen, like, the full cutscene where you just get to the end of a cycle. It's just the moon comes crashing down. The clock tower kind of crumbles a little bit, but they don't show too much of the destruction. It cuts to Link in like a void, like looking at the explosion in the distance as the explosion comes and like wipes him out. Okay. And then there's like a narration saying that like all of Termina was destroyed and then it ends with the you've met a terrible fate, haven't you? It ends with the you've met a terrible fate, haven't you? What do you mean it ends Like, with? that's the last dialogue that happens. And then it's game over. So But creepy. do you see the mask man saying that? Mm, you do not see him, but he does say those words. Okay, okay. Mm. This it's, is gross. It's bad. I don't, I mean, I, I watched it, but you want to avoid that. And so the same basic thing happens when you play the Oath to Order with insufficient giants. Yeah, so there's the cutscene that plays as the giants like start to show up one by one, and it'll do that cutscene up to a point, and then it'll just cut to a shot of that quadrant where nothing's happening. Whoa. And then they'll try and do the thing, and it won't happen. Okay. Uh, good job uh, accounting for that possibility, developers. Uh, okay, but more about the dialogue. So let's, we, we do, let's, let's, we call the giants, they all show up, they do the thing. They all mm-hmm. work together and the moon just kind of stops and just sits there. And you get dialogue between, uh, Tattle and Tail, uh, where Tail kind of says, hey, give Skull Kid a break. He was just real lonely and having a rough time of it, and Tattle says that's no excuse. Um, they have a, a go. They they have like a little a little dialogue exchange. That dialogue exchange, when I played it this most recent time before recording, uh, Tattle remembers that dialogue exchange. Yeah. Wow. Oh wait. Oh wait. Yeah. So. I just realized what's going on. Tail, Tail will start to explain, and Tattle goes, "Yeah, yeah, I know." Blah blah blah. He was lonely. In a and Tattle and Tail's just like, "How do you know that already?" Huh? And it weirded me out seeing this because I'm like, "Wait, is this like a metatextual thing? Is this like a thing that like 
from the perspective of how I played the game, I never, when I got to the moon, I just finished the game. So doing uh-huh. this again, there's no reason that Tattle should already know this information. But what I realize is you can actually get out of the moon dungeons that we're talking about. So the game just assumes if you've done the moon dungeon that you've come back from the moon dungeon. Oh, oh okay. That's so, kind of reassuring. That's what the intention is. It ends up not being it, it doesn't work in that way functionally, but like it's that's what it's supposed to be. So okay. But it weirded me out when Tattle suddenly like knew and I'm like, are we doing like an yeah. Undert- Undertale thing? What's going on here? Like, we should, or I was thinking, the uh, the implication is that this is another time loop past the ending of the game, or she just has like knowledge she should not have. But no, that's what what I'm thinking. Yeah. is that it's seeing it as a time loop past because like Tattle does carry knowledge between time loops, and that's part of what affects the dialogue here, right? Because she knows that tail is about to get smacked so this would seem to imply in the same way that like the game actually does where you can start up your file after winning and you have the fierce deities mask but you also still have all the other masks so like it remembers that you won yeah it would seem to be the meta situation where tattle remembers the cycle just before where you beat the game and ended the cycle but because you can Song of Time out of the moon dungeons, that squares okay. that away in my head, at least. From like, okay, the game just has a flag for you've seen this stuff and assumes that you just Song of Timed back, even if that's not actually the case. So I'm able to like, that. Yeah, that's, okay. that squares away in my head in a way that I can like not think of it in those terms, I guess. The, so we the, don't have to spend five minutes talking about this? Yeah, I think I'm good well, with it. too late. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that and I didn't think about it at all. I just thought, well, that's a weird text variation. It There's like a lot of text super bugged me and that's why I went digging into the text dump and like looking for videos okay. and stuff. All right. But I'm over now. Now we can move on to the mask suddenly starts talking. The mask starts talking. And um, it says that Skullkid has outlived his usefulness. And a puppet that can't be used anymore is nothing more than a piece of trash. There's a there's a line of dialogue there that's like trying to sound really sinister, but it's kind of uh, convoluted. You remember what I mean? Yeah. A puppet that can no longer be used is mere garbage. I don't think that was translated very well, possibly. It's very grandiose villain language. Mm. And then the uh, mask like just drops Skull Kid and does some magic, causing the moon's eyes to light up. The moon says, I will consume, consume everything. Um, which is an interesting thing for the moon to say. Or I guess I, I assume it's the moon saying that. Um the like moon we, or something possessing the yeah. moon to say that. Um, but like, what is the the threat that the moon has posed to Termina has never been put in terms of consuming anything. So it's very creepy to use that language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Tattle says, well, let's go back and use the song of time so we can go back. Um, or no, that's uh, something else. No, no, you're right. 
It's, okay. The first time you do it, Tattle wants to run away and say, uh, this sucks. Let's go back and do another loop. And Tail comes out and says, no, 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 let's get in there. There's a there's a weird, like, teleport. There's uh, a vortex. There's a weird teleportation vortex. Let's just get in there. Let's do it. And inspired by Tail's bravery, Tattle goes. But then subsequent times, Tattle just knows the deal already and is like, okay, let's go. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I kind of think they should have switched places. I think this should have been Tail's moment. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, because Tail doesn't go after saying, let's go, right? So yeah. That's, yeah. I thought they'd all go. <laughs> that would be really good to two have both fairies yeah. with you. Two fairies. Could you lock on to two people at once? Hmm. Whoa, with your ZL trigger? I'd be into that. <laughs> you go into the vortex. Like, it's. I noticed that they're not very clear, at least in the second time around version of the scene about like what's going on as you enter the moon i don't think i even saw link run up to the vortex and get pulled up into it like it was a boss crystal after a boss fight um mm. it's just kind of implied that you go up into the moon and now you're up inside the moon you think it would look like a cavern or made of cheese or something like that right yeah yeah definitely not a sunny meadow no. And this is kind of the I've I've formed a, a hypothesis as we discussed this game about how the storytelling is um transitioning from really concrete like basic adventure stuff getting more and more fairy tale like and abstract and uh I, I think that like what we see here is the ultimate abstract version of video game story zelda world uh, but that it has been uh very well foreshadowed and built up to by like how nonsensical and weird icona canyon was mm. um it's a sunny meadow there's a tree on a hill it really looks like um what heaven would look like in certain animes right mm. i went down this was actually before we even were going to do this podcast i went on a rabbit hole trying to figure out what the tree was from in my head i'm like that has to be a specific reference to something yeah. that that the devs of majora's mask would know about and i kind of came up empty i found a couple like candidates from like uh, like Trigun has a tree in a field, but it's like multiple trees or something like that. So okay. in my head, there's there's probably some manga from the 80s that has this imagery in it that they're pulling from. You, you, I, I guess that's uncharitable. Like they could have just created this whole cloth. But in my head, it's like this seems like such an iconic thing that somebody was pulling no. from something. Yeah. yeah. It has kind of the same um impact as the egg as like yeah uh a visualization of the world axis yeah it's very mythological hmm. yeah um which even you know the egg has that's that's not a reference to anything other than just like mythology right there's 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 it's hard to say 
Anyway, but I couldn't find like one focal thing that it's like directly pulling from like I expected. So it feels like there's a lot of stories that have like a single tree in a field that it's very important in a pivotal mm-hmm. scene. But I like this one the most, I think. <laughs> it's, it's a good one. Um, and it functions as in the way Clocktown is the axis of Termina. This tree is the axis of the weird heaven meadow in that the children are running around it representing the four quadrants of the world mm. um they there are four there are five children they're wearing the faces or the masks of the remains of the bosses from the dungeons and then the fifth one is wearing majora's mask surely you've heard how in the 3ds version Underneath their masks, they have the face of the mask salesman. Um, I, I had not heard that. Oh, yeah. th- that's true. Uh, but I, and like, you can't see that in the game. It's just for, you know, the developers in the cutting room floor to enjoy. But um, when people point that out, I think they are missing a point that even in the 64 version, uh, where the, their faces are blank textures, their haircut is still the same as the Happy Mask Salesman. So this isn't the detail that Grezzo added mm. exactly. Um, I think it was clearly like it was part of the original game that they used the Happy Mask Man's head for the uh, Mask Kids. I don't know whether that was ever intended to mean anything or if the Grezzo people decided that it meant something. So they, that's why they added a detail um, because the nature of these kids is completely impossible to figure out. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people think there's some meaning behind that, but I just can't make it work. Like it seems like more for convenience than anything I could be convinced, but why would it be like baby mass salesman? I bet. Well, it's in- I bet it's intentional. Um, I, I think don't know what's th- going on. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think what's going on is, um, in kind of the way we'll get to this later, um, or maybe we've already got to it. How Skull Kid and Majora's Mask are ostensibly separate entities, but in the mythology they kind of meld into each other, and it's not clear who caused certain problems in the backstory or where where Majora's Mask came from. Like, it's all treated very fuzzy, you know? I think that the mask salesman, as this other, like, mythological figure, is involved in the same fuzziness. And so, like, if you have a literal mythology where this is what happened first this is majora is this is what the skull kid did this is where the mask salesman come and you put it all into you know rational like complete sentence terms you're not going to be able to find an explanation but if you take it as a dreamy like not explicable mythology then the mask salesman is present on the moon because he's part of the players in this weird vague drama okay yeah i like that and that jives with like my previous feelings about the skull kid as an entity and in the greater mythology of the game anyways so i like that 
the, um, the kids also do mention the mask salesman directly too which is fun yeah they're like playing mask salesman or they want oh. you to play mask salesman or something like that that's right they want to play mask salesman as if mask salesman is an identity that you can put on yeah and so having mask salesman as ostensibly the true identity underneath the mask is a very cool way of confusing this notion of identity that we've been yakking about for hours. Yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> the identity under the mask. Hmm. Um, Zeldapedia, in trying to explain what the nature of the mask kids is, cites an interview with the mask salesman that I guess took place on Meverse. What? <laughs> oh, no. Now, is that, should we believe that to be canon? Uh, Zeldapedia treats it as canon. Okay. It doesn't say, watch out, this part of the article is non-canon. Um, wow. I guess that, like, the the mask salesman had an account on Meverse. Um, and okay. he someone asked him, what are the kids on the moon? And he says, well, I've never met them, but <laughs> <laughs> they do seem very mysterious. And they have the same haircut as me. Uh, so, now we know. Um it's possible that, like, another melding of identities, uh, like, ignoring the mask salesman angle, I always wondered whether these kids on the moon were supposed to be representations of the bosses of the dungeons or of the giants. Hmm. It seemed to me that they kind of represented both roles somehow. I kind of thought they were somehow like either representing the bosses or or part of like Majora's Mask branched out and like inhabited the bosses somehow because you Mm -hmm. have to go to all the temples and fight the bosses and like break curses or whatever you're doing there so maybe it's like the tendrils of I I always wondered if it was something like that like yeah other incarnations of Majora's Mask Makes me wonder whether the, whether any of these bosses were around before. Like, is Odolwa part of the uh, Woodfall Temple, or is Odolwa something that was inserted into the Woodfall Temple mm. when all this cursing took place? That's a good question. You play mask salesman with these kids. You give them masks, and they say, "Okay, let's play hide and seek." And they take you to the mask dungeons. And Sarah, this constituted your like fifth favorite dungeon in Zelda. Yeah, I think it was six or seven. I don't remember. Mm. But yeah, I I mean, this whole place is like one of my favorite. I consider the field to be part of the dungeon because sure. it's, yeah. it's like the entryway. And it's also like it's like one of those impossible rooms that has like fake walls that you can't go past. And you can still feel the shaking in there. That's in real oh, yeah. life. So it's that's like messed up. Yeah. So it feels like like one of those rooms that's fake and still definitely part of the dungeon. Um, but yeah, I uh, the 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 little mini dungeon parts um, seem sort of incidental <laughs> compared to the field. But <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think it's cool how you have to redo like reuse your all of your other powers from before um in a new way 
Well, not not that new, I guess, but in a different way than in the Stone Tower Temple. Yeah. Just one by uh, one, a little. I thought it was test. Uh, cool how each place was designed in a way that seems to be like echoing its respective dungeon, but mm-hmm. not really like r- not really going all the way by being like a room out of that dungeon yeah I they know. all seem to be slightly like very intentionally not matching the dungeon completely oh and one other thing about these or two of them i think is it, we were talking before about how there aren't very many places in the game where there are actually bottomless pits that you can fall into and like that kind of peril but these do have that oh um hey yeah so it feels kind of weird that way too that makes sense that there would be bottomless pits on the moon yeah in this weird fake place um as a dungeon though like dungeon dungeon i was underwhelmed by these dungeons i thought that deku links was just too easy i did not like goron links i like probably because i was playing this having done it like 10 times in the past um, it's really hard. I did not bother finishing Zora Links. I've done that <laughs> enough times in my life. Thanks. And Hylian Links is really cool, except for the Bomchu stuff. Um, yeah, that's kind of weird. The Bomchu stuff is wild. That, it's... like, here at the very end, we're going to hand you 10 Bomchus, <laughs> figure out what to do, don't mess up. There's no real fail safe except for one that we put in accidentally. Is that an accident? I can't find a source for that but i was almost certain that so for the listener in 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 the in the hylian regular default link like sub dungeon it's a series of boss fights until you get to a room where the door is barred and the chest that you get for beating the little mini boss is bomb shoes which is not an item that this game isn't expected you to use at all and, like, Ocarina of Time only expects you to use it in, like, one spot, also in the final dungeon. And so here you have to use the bomb chew to get to, like, a not necessarily obvious wall to, like, open yeah. up a thing to shoot to get into the next part of the dungeon. And there's a similar puzzle in the next room. And you have, like, ten bomb chews if you didn't bring any with they you to accomplish this. It's not ten. a lot. It's not easy. No. Especially if you have not practiced. Yeah, which you haven't because yeah. what you, there's none, nothing to practice with. You don't even have a bowling mini game. <laughs> and so, if you go online after you waste all your bomb chews, like I did, mm-hmm. and you say, "What the heck am I supposed to do here?" There's actually a failsafe where you can go up to a chest and play a Song of Storms, right? Yeah, Song yeah. of Storms, and it'll just unlock the way. And I can't find a source for it, but I'm pretty sure that's unintentional. I think that was like a programming oversight or something. It sounds like a debug feature. Yeah. But like nothing in the game tells you to do that. That's just a... Absolutely. That is a game FAQ special. You would figure it out if you tried literally everything. (laughs) But no, it sucks. (laughs) Uh, Um, I still like this. I like this dungeon. I like the... I'm going to rebut that I like the Goron thing. I did not like it like the first time I played it, but playing it again, I think it's fun. It's a very tight obstacle, not obstacle course, a very tight like rolling course mm-hmm. uh, that you just kind of have to get right, and it's fun. I like it, actually. 
They they use the chests as 45 degree angles to bounce off of. That's fun. And that like yeah. makes my brain happy. Yeah, it's um, a lot more fun once you you get good at it. The first few times you fall into a pit, it's frustrating. Sarah's telling me to get good. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have a bonus. Does anyone here want to speak in defense of the Zora Link dungeon? Oh, I'm ready to I I have written notes about how much I hate the Zora Link dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> All I have to say about it is that it's kind of interesting and different, but I didn't enjoy it a ton or anything. So, Sarah, you played it in the 64 version. Yeah. In the 64 version, it's kind of, for the listener, there's a, you're in a metal tube and there's branching paths on like a, with like a current flowing. So you just kind of have to guess the right uh, path to get to the end. It's like before you fight Andros. That's exactly what my notes say. <laughs> okay. In Star Fox 64, it's an Andros maze. Um, they changed it in the 3DS version and made it so much worse. Oh, no. Where instead of it just being like fast flowing water, it's like a whole course that you have to navigate and you're timed. It's like, what? okay, I'm going to I'm going to jump in the water or like a switch is there or something and like a gate opens and I have a limited amount of time to swim the correct path to get past that gate. To get to, like, the next part of it. And then you have to do it a few times. And if you mess up, you, well, you might be stuck. If you're stuck, you have to start the whole thing over. It checkpoints you sometimes, but the checkpoints are really unreliable. Um, miserable. I hated this. And it, it's in conjunction with me hating the swimming in this game anyways. But, like, ugh. Mm. They made it bad. It was way better yeah. in the 64. Hmm. But it was, like... Not a challenge in the 64 when it nothing in the 64 version utilized your swimming at all, basically. So I see why they changed it, but they made it so much worse. And then Deku Links is just you pop out of some flowers, it's cute, it's that's, it's good. It's that's it, all might I got. The, it might be the best one in terms of just being like, I don't know, I like the Hylian Link one the best though. I like the architect, like the visual style of the normal Link mini dungeon. Yeah, is not mm-hmm. similar to Stone Tower Temple at all. It's not no. similar to anything else in the game. It really feels like it's like referring to all the dungeons in sequence from some other game. Hmm. Yeah, the rooms are really evocative and weird. Um, I wonder if there's like. They designed it when the, all the dungeons had been designed for something else, and then they redesigned all the dungeons, but they didn't bother redesigning this one. That wouldn't make mm. sense. But I, it's also possible that they just went crazy and just made the coolest weird mini dungeon for normal Link. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the last of the four. You're ramping up. Yeah. Um, at the end of each of these dungeons, the Mask Kid appears in a little room, which is like a weird microcosm of both the um the moon like air, meadow area insofar as like it has a painted sky it feels like you're in a like simulated space but it also seems like it's supposed to be a microcosm of termina because there are those four blocks on the ground that seem to represent the giants or the monster mm. the bosses and it's like i get this weird sense that we're supposed to be reenacting the events of the game 
in this room. Like this is a a child's playroom version of hmm. Termina. I don't know. There's a lot yeah. to be said about Interesting. this. And each one says something philosophical. And I have a bunch to say about this. Do you mind if I just read what they all say? Yeah, please. The first one says, Your friends, what kind of people are they? I wonder, do these people think of you as a friend? The second one says, What makes you happy? I wonder, what makes you happy? Does it make others happy too? The third one says, The right thing. What is it? I wonder, if you do the right thing, does it make everybody happy? And the fourth one says, Your true face. What kind of face is it? I wonder, the face under the mask. Is that your true face? Now, Zach, you were playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night the other day, right? That's true. I was. And you got to the end, and um, one of the vampires quoted some scripture, right? That's right. Which verse is cited? Oh, I don't know. It's Matthew something, maybe? Matthew 12, 36 or something. I'll take your word for it. Uh, uh, I don't quote scripture very often. <laughs> it, uh, well, I don't remember which of them is actually saying it. Like, oh, it's Dracula. Ale- Dracula does, says it. Okay, does Dracula does he... give the chapter and verse, and then Alucard recites the verse? Oh, maybe it's the other way around. Okay. No, I forget. No, I think he both says it and he I don't both remember. cites it and recites it that's funny um what profited a man if he should gain the world but lose his soul i was also reading some analyses of the banjo kazooie games and the themes involved therein and all this thinking about themes and games and especially philosophical sentences uttered at the end of games made me think about the rhetoric of putting a theme or like a moral in your work. Because I do not think that Symphony of the Night really does the necessary work to make that Bible verse have the impact on the story that Iga seems to want to have. Do you agree? Yeah. The the story in Symphony of the Night is pretty not much of anything. Um, and it's mostly just in service of having a good like moment between yeah. Alucard and his dad, basically. It's, it's just it's all there just to facilitate them having like a warm and fuzzy moment at the end of the game. Which is good, but it's not, like, deep. And it, it I don't know, uh, like, how how applicable that quote really is to the situation. Um, did Dracula gain the world but lose his soul? Yeah, it's all, it, it, spoilers for Symphony of the Night, 
I guess we're not going to do a Cynthia Night podcast. That's fine. No, thanks. Um, yeah, no, because the whole reveal with the story of Cynthia Night is that Alucard or Dracula is sad because his wife died and he took it out on humans. And Alucard's like, she didn't want that. She didn't want you to take it on humans. Stop being a revenge guy. Yeah. And Dracula's like, oh, okay. And that lasts for 50 years until he comes back. <laughs> I haven't played I haven't played that game yet, so we'll see. And um, as interesting as it is to make uh, like inferences about the themes and the like deep meaning of Banjo-Kazooie, uh, I also don't think that it really stands up to quite the amount of analysis that this uh, writer was putting on it, which I won't cite here because we're getting very far afield <laughs> from Majora's Mask. When I read these sentences from the mask kids and i did bring up this one about your true face at the, like the very beginning of the podcast but when i look at all of them together i'm like this is just this isn't what the game is about this is just coming up with philosophical things to say at the end to create a sense of deep meaning I think that there is a theme of, like, the question of friendship going on um, between Skull Kid and Tattle and Tail and the Giants. So, like, if if you're worried about friendship as a theme, then, okay, referring to a theme. And I do think that the rest of the game does a very good job of, like, discussing the idea of your true face versus your mask and identity and that sort of thing. So that quote, okay, sure. But when they talk about what makes you happy, does it make others happy too? I have no idea where that's coming from. So and this question about the right thing, if you do the right thing, does it make everybody happy? That's a really interesting question. Like, that wrinkles my brain, but as a statement of, like, uh, we're pulling together the themes of the game Majora's Mask, I really don't know how it comes into play. Well, there is the the happy mask salesman, and he does talk about happiness after this okay. a little bit. Hmm. I didn't There's consider a lot of, that. I don't know if we want to jump that far ahead, but he does mention um, the masks are full of happiness now. Or something yeah okay okay so it uh, does seem like there's a mask happiness connection yeah okay you're pulling me around <laughs> so oh go ahead sir uh i don't think i had more to okay. that thought <laughs> so my kind of read on it is i kind of agree with you ryan that like a lot of like what they're pulling out of here doesn't really like interface with the themes of the game in a poignant way right okay. um but i think that's in service of pushing another theme that we've touched on in the game and that's the theme of like maturity and like coming of age mm. and i i because these are like we're we're engaging with these children right yeah, uh-huh. they're these these children in these masks, and we're like talking to them as they are like beginning to have grander like adult thoughts about 
the nature of their relationships and like how they go about the world and they're not necessarily like the most deep and well thought out like statements or questions Uh Uh they're not they're not like at an actual conclusion or anything they're just kind of putting that out there and i think we're seeing like the the in process of somebody uh like grappling with this concept of like becoming a more mature person and having to have deeper thoughts which is a lot of what this game is about that's game is, fascinating yeah. this game is about maturity this game is about coming of age and going from being a kid to being an adult and i and think so this is tied these, into that these kids who we've considered as mirrors of majora or of the mask salesman or as the giants or as the bosses could also be mirrors of link i i guess I, in my head it's like mirrors of skull kid as well but i know that doesn't yeah quite yeah. work well there's something I, similar I about that, like link and skull kid yeah maybe they're both in very similar positions yeah and, like, like they're both growing up well, I think that the uh, these sentences and the way that they're so unsure about like the basic idea of friendship or happiness uh, really matches Skull Kid's naivete. Yeah, yeah, it really fits with his other dialogue we get. Yeah, so that's where I go with this. I don't have anything more thought out than that, but it's like I read this and I move, I, I look at that and think of it's just tying into the theme of growing up. Okay, this is good. Yeah. Thanks. This is why we have the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, you give the kids all your masks. You. That's I one don't of my know favorite what happens if you don't have enough masks to give them. Does anyone know? Well, you well, can just. Oh, go ahead. You can go get more, can't you? You can just because the the the. There's hints inside of the, the dungeons. To tell oh, we didn't talk okay, about that. Really other masks. Cool. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of really cool little dialogue snippets, or like uh, text snippets to read about like, here's a hint about to get this mask you've maybe never, never seen in the game. Um, that's cool. The fact that they're mediated by uh, gossip stones is really interesting. Putting gossip stones in kind of a privileged place in the mythology. Mm. I guess. Huh. Um, they could just be signs. Yeah, or like NPCs. Oh yeah, hmm. uh, that would be cool if like the the the, the nameless guy who like holds his hand up to his forehead and is looking back and forth was standing around, and there were five <laughs> copies of him in each dungeon. Uh, but you were saying if you don't turn in enough masks, then you just don't get whatever the reward is because you can always go back to the beginning of each segment and teleport out. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, good point. I thought that you'd be soft locked because he didn't have enough masks. That's dumb. I did use that to teleport out when I decided not to finish Zora Link's dungeon. Smart. Yep. Um, how many masks do you have to get to get to the end of this game? Oh, no. Uh, you need the Garrow mask. Don't um, you need the captain's hat, technically? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But maybe uh, not ten. I forget. It's not very many. Uh, I really want to check right now. But <laughs> this might not be the right time. Well, I'll start talking about the next thing. 
and then it's if you do all four of these things uh you will have turned in all of your masks um and then you can go talk to the child at the base of the tree uh wearing majora's mask and initiate the final battle with majora's mask uh if you uh if you have turned in all the masks that you had if you had all the masks and you turn all of them in you get special dialogue where the majora's mask kid will say oh you've collected a lot of masks here take this mask let's play no he says you only have weak masks because you've been reduced to just your transformation masks okay well then he offers up a mask and he says, like, let's battle good versus evil or something like that. He says, let's play good guys and bad guys. I'll be the good guy. You be the bad guy. And when you're the bad guy, you just run. All right. It's really menacing. And, good. and then um, he gives you a really cool item. Before we get to that, I just want to say, um, what were the two that we said? Garrow's mask and captain's hat. You yeah. also need the Gibdo mask to do Gibdo dungeon. And I, depending on the version, I almost want to say that you can avoid getting the giant's mask in Nintendo 64, but you are forced to get it for 3DS. Mm. In any way, you're forced to get it in 3DS. I know that for sure. So that's four. Hmm. The others, I'm pretty sure you can go without. Cool. So it's possible you could get all the way here and not be able to finish the game? No, no, you can finish the game because you'll just be able to enter like some amount of dungeons not be able to finish them Mm -hmm. by giving them more things then when you talk to the kid in majora's mask he says okay let's fight and he doesn't he doesn't tell you that you only have weak masks and i don't think he says the same thing about playing good guys and bad guys but he lets you go to the final boss you just have Mm -hmm. to fight it as weak non-fierce link i want to talk about the fierce deity mask permission granted it's cool so it just turns you back into adult link kind of themes themes all this game you've been trying to become an adult you just needed the mask for that oh but you need to get all the other masks to do that you had to bring happiness to Mm. earn the right to become an evil god or whatever Uh, um yeah it's strange how, like, the Fierce Deity Link seems to be an evil guy somehow. And, I believe it. Um, he's called Oni Link, and as far as I can tell, that was never an official um, name. And, like, that's not what he's called in the Japanese version, as far as I can tell. So I didn't I, do really exhaustive research. I looked into this because I also internalized this character as Oni Link because I remember reading about this game on the internet when it came out, and that's what people called it. Yeah. Um, that name comes from the Japanese line that's the counterpart to the line we talked about where instead of playing good guys versus bad guys, it's like play like – I forget the Japanese term, but it's like good guys versus Oni. Which is, like, a name that Japanese kids, like, it's like a version of tag, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that line in both versions is, an, like, uh, playing again on the mask as identity as performance theme. 
like this battle that we're got about to have is just a game where we're playing we're taking on roles and because you're going to be the bad guy you need to put on the mask of the bad guy who is this scary demon version of yourself it's cool uh, you get to it, shoot sword beams <laughs> yeah <laughs> which you didn't get to do in ocarina of time they never had the master sword they they prototyped that in ocarina of time and didn't chose not to do it and then they did it here and then they said it's so good that you'll also get to do it in breath of the wild yeah uh no it's cool you're you're like you're you're adult link but you were like with a much cooler outfit and like face paint and a giant double helix sword yeah people love calling it the double helix sword it's cool. It also trivializes the boss fight we're about to do. Oh, yeah. It's disgustingly... Like, I don't know if I had ever <laughs> tried it with uh, uh, Fierce Deity Link before. I, I I cheesed it, but I cheesed it with light arrows. I didn't realize that Fierce Deity Link and the incredible might of the double helix blade uh, makes this a joke. Sarah, Sarah, are you there? Yes, Sarah, how do yes. you usually do this fight? Um, well, I've only done it. Uh, I've only done it a long time ago. <laughs> um, did you, but did I, you use the mask? When I or? when I first played this game, I didn't have all the masks, so uh-huh. I did not use this mask, and it was a hard fight. So I had always done it with the fierce deity mask, and so I had to do it again uh, before we recorded uh to try it without to see what that boss fight's actually like and it mm-hmm. wasn't as bad as i expected it seemed like it was going to be really hard but i managed pretty okay i think it's a solid final boss um it's not you know it it's tough but it's not uh like punishing yeah it's, yeah of course it's really good in how weird it is especially majora's incarnation as like the classic Dadaist nonsense boss. Uh, that's very good. There's like comedic sound effects. Yeah. And it moonwalks and it does the <laughs> Russian dance. This is very unusual for a final boss. Oh, yeah. I think they did a really good job, not just with the silliness, but with the whole experience of making it like an alien. Mm-hmm. Like something from another dimension. You've entered the far realm to fight this nonsense creature but when you ask tattle for help she's able to relate everything to something you've seen before Mm. which is cool like um you think it's completely outside of your experience but tattle is like no this is like this it actually is a culmination of all the other fights um if you just notice these details i don't know if tattle's advice actually works like i'm i'm never sure if i'm doing exactly the right thing against the different stages of majara uh but you know it's it's cool that she talks that way anyway it's surprisingly open-ended as to how you can go about doing it like the the boss is far more vulnerable than i expected i thought it would be like the kind of thing that you have to like really fight for an opening to get Mm -hmm. hits in but yeah it's if you're feisty enough you can get some hits in a lot of it seems like just like aim and 
it's just running around so much. Yeah. You have to <laughs> chase it around. And even like the final form, you can run up on that thing if you're quick. Or you can shoot light arrows. Mm. Uh, it's cool. I don't have too much to say. Uh, it's creepy when the mask starts like undulating and like flying around and has mm-hmm. tentacles. Mm-hmm. Hate hate that. <laughs> it's interesting that the transformation masks are fighting against you. Are the remains masks? Yeah, the remains. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's an important point for anyone who's trying to like make sense of all the mythology that these the boss remains uh, appear to be native to this dimension. Mm. I I don't know that I would say they're native to it. They just end up here, I feel like. Guess we'll never know. Um, When you beat Majora's Wrath, the big muscly demon, it disintegrates. And then uh, we don't really see how Link escapes from the moon. It's not like Star Fox 64 where he pops out of it right before it explodes. Um, but... The moon disintegrates. It, like, it falls apart and it flies away and it's gone. We didn't push the moon back up into space where it belongs. (laughs) It's just no moon anymore. And a rainbow comes out of it. So, uh, like, every good video game will quote scripture at the end. And, uh... Then there are the credits. I think it's interesting. I'll mention this right now, even though we haven't gotten to the credits, that you just destroyed Majora's Wrath, but the mask salesman is going to have the mask at the end. Mm. So, so the mask all the, is like, just a mask. I don't know. All <laughs> the logistics of like where people were at, at during the boss battle and how they got to where they are now after the credits is, you know, completely ignored. I don't think it's that hard to hand wave, I guess. I mean, like other boss battles, you'd get teleported by a crystal to the most convenient outside location. So it makes sense. But like, it's interesting to me. um, Not that interesting, but worth mentioning that you don't see that happening we just cut to later on mm. when everything's okay. I guess so, yeah. All we know um, for sure is something weird happened in, on that clock tower. Yep. And that there's no more moon. <laughs> and everyone's fine with it. It makes me wonder whether that was the actual moon or... Yeah. Well, there's references. There... Isn't there... Yeah. They talk about the moon as it's something that existed long before. That's true. Hmm. Like the there's a astronomer yeah. and at the bomb shop where they want to go to the moon. Uh, so that's it's not a good like point. maybe like the good moon will just show back up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe that's a cycle too. Maybe it just starts really far away and then slowly it gets closer. <laughs> like <laughs> in Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah. People are going to be really distrustful when like the regular moon shows back up. Yeah. Yep. There's going to be like a, a month of people adjusting to it again. <laughs> it does not have a face this time, hopefully. Hopefully. How much detail do we want to get into for the credits? Oh, I'm ready to dig in. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's not too much detail. We can just... It, there's a couple scenes that have some fun stuff in it. But if not now, then when? 
I no, guess I, 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 I'm asking like how much detail do you want to get into? And if you've got the notes, then let fly. Well, before we do that, we got to talk about uh, the mask man, the, 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 the text that happens here, right? Is this scene before the credits? I, yeah, I, got confused. I think so. Okay, yeah. Yes. So, right, the first, so everybody's standing out in the field. The skull, uh, the the skull kid is here. The fairies are here. The mask man is here. Epona is here. Critically, um, the giants get, are here. Oh yeah, the giants are here because this is They're where standing in the middle of Clock Town. <laughs> skull kid looks up and he's like, "He didn't forget about me." It's amazing. Like, this is the only part of the game that's in the normal course of the game that's not a flashback where Skull Kid, without the mask, gets to, like, be himself. And almost all he does is cringe in abject shame. (laughs) That's his character for this whole thing. Well, if you just did everything he just did, wouldn't you do the same? Absolutely. But, like, for that to be his role in the scene Mm, is mm -hmm. pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, a game about him, but he's not like a main character. Yeah. Um, and when he says like you were you're still my friends, you didn't forget about me, it's I, I know that he's talking to the giants, but it's interesting that if you're not reading carefully or like possibly it's intentionally ambiguous that he could be talking to Tattle and Tail, mm-hmm. who he has betrayed in the same way that he betrayed the giants. Um that's cool. And the mask salesman like walks past him and he cringes in abject shame some more. But the mask salesman isn't mad. He's happy. And he says, I guess the the magic is all gone from this mask that I'm holding somehow. It just fell down afterwards. and He just caught it. I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not like terribly bummed about this either. He's more like, okay, cool. I got my collector's item. Yeah. Or like... Was his intention all along to exorcise the evil from the mask? Probably. I think so, yeah. So it just took a lot of problems to make that happen. Um, he, he doesn't care about those problems. He's, he exists extra from the whole, the whole scene. I guess. He's this extraneous force that's manipulating the situation to get what he wants. And he says that, like, whenever uh, someone meets up, they're going to split up again later. What does he say? Whenever there is a meeting, a parting is sure to follow. However, that parting need not last forever. Whether a parting be forever or merely for a short time, that is up to you. With that, please excuse me. And then he leaves. Wait, no, he doesn't. He He doesn't leave. Oh. Well, like he's got more to say. Okay. But, my, you sure have managed to make quite a number of people happy. The masks you have are filled with happiness. This is truly a good happiness. And then he walks away. I, I want to say that this is different in the two versions of the game. That he kind of walks away and then he just fades into nothingness yeah he just vanishes like Is he's that in, in the 64 version too yeah. yeah yeah he just he just vanishes he just dematerializes it's cool yeah. when does that happen in twin peaks because i was going to say the same thing but i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> uh i can't remember is it in firewalk with me probably i feel like there's where, all sorts uh, of agent, there are all sorts 
the first agent. Oh, uh, just Chester Desmond. Yeah. Spoilers for Firewall with me, <laughs> but not the part that anybody cares about. I don't know. That's one of the good parts, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, it just vanishes. Yeah. Um. And th- okay, so like he proves that he's a supernatural creature. Uh, then um, you have a little scene with Tattle where she is Tsundaria with you. Uh, she says, well, it's almost time for the carnival to begin. So why don't you just leave and go about your business? The rest of us have a carnival to get to. And then she says, Link, thank you. Just as Link is like hiaing Ipona along so that we understand that it doesn't hear her say anything. So that's good. We find out that she actually likes Link. And it wasn't just out of obligation. There's also some dialogue here where Skull Kid specifically like says, like, oh, you remind me of a kid that oh, taught yeah. me a song in a forest. Which, uh-huh. like, I guess that stuff is seeded more securely than I remembered it being. Because uh, you get that, and then you get the stinger at the very end of the credits that's just Saria's song. So it's like, no, 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 this is that same guy. Uh, which is fine. I mean, like, that's fun for forging a connection between two games where there wasn't much of one in certain ways. Um, but then if you, like, when you try to analyze the plot, now you have to understand that that random Skull Kid in Ocarina of Time was involved with all this drama in the history of Termina where he was friends with the four giants and like reconciling that is kind of ridiculous i think i can jive with it i just zelda has never really operated in that type of storytelling no um it's way more concerned especially post ocarina of time it's generally way more concerned with telling like these very long epic legends that all tie into ocarina of time somehow it's like this is an age Mm -hmm. past this is an age before um i almost thinking of it as this is a really weird side story that just it's ocarina of time link off on an adventure that addresses a single like superfluous character from that game what if they just operated in that mode more what if Mm -hmm. you just had a whole bunch of games that were just ocarina of time link like that orbit around different characters yeah, that'd be cool I'd go for they that. should do that yeah. like it's ease or something where it's just the continuing adventures of link yeah but that's not what they were more interested in so they've not done that anyway anyway um i think it's time for the credits i'm gonna pull it up at another window and shout stuff out as i see it go oh okay uh, we're just gonna <laughs> I guess I can overlay the credits music onto this. You don't have to. Uh, I'm, I'm fast forwarding anyway, so. Okay, that won't work. Uh, we get a lot of shots of the band. The bands. Um, There's a guy that looks like Macau playing in the band. Isn't that Zora Link? It's supposed to be, but didn't he just leave? Yeah, so, like... <laughs> That clearly is Zora Link. That can't be anyone else. He he left, but he's still going to perform with the Indiegogos at the festival, apparently. I think he's just there in spirit. Ooh. Uh, th- that stage has had that property before, so... Hmm. Yeah. Maybe there's something about that stage. 
They should do a game uh, about that stage. <laughs> Is there anything else exciting? Let's see. I'm just skipping ahead. Uh, I'm watching a. I, I've got a video playing of the ending, but it's from a version of the game where somebody put a texture hack on top of it that looks terrible. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. It's like a Wind Waker texture pack on this Majora's Mask assets. It's bad. Uh, so many of the um, vignettes deal with like characters from side quests that it really mm. makes me wonder or i always assume that the credits should change based on which side quests you actually completed and for that matter mm. that the mask salesman statement about how many people you've made happy should depend on how many side quests you did but i don't think that is a feature at all it's not well i i did some research about this and by that, I, I mean, I didn't go back and play the game without getting a bunch of masks. I found some YouTube videos of speedruns, any percent speedruns, that bothered to include the credits. And uh, here's what's going on. In the credits, there are nine places where if you didn't get a certain mask, Instead of that cutscene showing the person who, you know, a, a vignette associated with that mask, it just shows you that mask that you didn't get spinning in a black void with credits going over them. So instead of the postman uh, running across the field, um, you just see the postman's hat. Instead of the girls dancing, uh, you just see Kamaro's mask spinning creepily. Instead of the fairies, which I always thought was a weird uh, a scene of those fairies just floating nowhere. You see the fairies mask floating nowhere, the great fairies mask. And uh, instead of seeing Malin and Talon, wait a second, Crimea and Romani and the target shooting, uh, you see the Romani mask. Let's see. Uh, there's the bomb mask that replaces that scene with the bomb family. There's the bunny hood that replaces the scene with Grog and the Cuckoos. There's the um, circus leader's mask, which I guess, yeah, replaces the scene with Gorman at the bar. And then the Bremen mask, did I say the Bremen mask? Oh no, the Bremen mask replaces the scene with Guru Guru playing in the milk bar and being beloved. And then there's the uh, couple's mask that replaces the associated scene. Um, in the middle of this, right before the couple's mask, uh, is the scene with, um, hold on a second. It's the scene with Pamela and her dad in Ikana Canyon. And, um, it's, I, I was about to say, maybe this points to the, or, sorry, the Gibdo mask being optional. But I'm looking at this any percent glitched speedrun where this guy, the Zippo, this is a former world record. Um, the Zippo definitely doesn't get the Gibdo mask at any point. So if this were a case where you get the Gibdo, it only shows up if you get the Gibdo mask, but everybody gets the Gibdo mask, this would disprove that. Um, because the Zippo did not get the Gibdo mask in this 19-minute glitched run. Um, however, the Zippo does get the 
Fierce Deity Mask using a glitch. And so when the Happy Mask salesman says, um, you, you got all these masks, this is truly a good happiness, I thought that maybe um, that was checking for whether you had the Fierce Deity Mask, so then I went and found another 80% glitchless speedrun by... What is this person's name? Dennis Haugen. And uh, Dennis Haugen doesn't get um, all these masks, but uh, he's playing in the Japanese version. And so uh, the happy mask salesman still turns back and says something about, like, people, but... Um, Based on the fact that there's no like line in the text dump in the English text dump to say that um, that would like replace that line if you didn't get enough masks, I guess that he does say that no matter how many masks you get. Okay, that was a long correction. Coming on uh, four minutes thirty two seconds. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go back to the episode? Okay, uh, back to the episode. But I also had that same thought where I saw that I'm like, oh, do you get like a different dialogue depending on how well you completed the game? And no, he's just like generous in that way. If he says these masks are filled with happiness, he might mean exactly the Garrow mask, the Gibdo mask, <laughs> the Captain's hat, and the Stone mask. Yeah, yeah, it's ambiguous. And, and the and the the main masks, I guess. I guess, yeah. Yeah. They're filled with happiness as witnessed by them screaming in pain anytime you put them on. <laughs> yeah. We get a, a shot of the postman running back to town realizing that he needs his job back. Oh, is that what's happening? <laughs> I just thought that he was running, but that makes sense. Wow. He's like, wait, I need I need that apartment. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of shots of just like what's going on in the pirate fortress they get a disproportionate amount of yeah. screen time in this which is strange to me <laughs> and you know who else is there i i guess zach hasn't seen him yet otherwise he would mention it no uh, maybe i'll wait oh it's okay i'm, I'm overlooking at uh oh, okay romani doing target practice and being really good at it uh yeah that that's cute. her ending she i i love how they don't want to animate her actually firing the bow no so it yeah. happens off screen we just notice that she destroyed all the targets really fast that's very good um i'm still waiting for zach to see the people that are gonna like i don't know which people you're talking about i'm looking for oh Keep. uh well gorman's behind the counter i don't know who let him back there come on gorman that's not what I'm talking about. I might have gotten too far than what you were looking for. I think you you want to keep going. I don't remember how far along it is. But Are you talking I... about Zabora and Gabora hanging out in the milk bar? No, but that's cool. Uh, and how everybody is super charmed by Guru Guru's song for once? That's fun. Hmm. That's nice that he gets the the resolution that people like his music. Yeah. Uh, I don't care about that. Uh, there's a scene. There's a scene we'll get to later. Uh, I mean, there's the stuff with uh, 
the Deku Butler, which that's chilling. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember him being as like devast. So the Deku Butler finds the stump that was his son. Yeah. So sad. And he's devastated by it. I don't remember him being devastated. I really recalled him as being like, he's gone there to mourn. And he knew that this was there before. Like, he's just making his normal visit to his son's corpse grave. But then yeah. we established that in the text, like, at least for a part of this game, he still thinks that his son is alive and just missing. Mm. So, yeah, he has found the the tree there and he is devastated and it's messed up. It's rough. It's a rough thing it's to put like in your one, credits. One sequence. of the last things in the game. Yeah. It's very sad. It's the penultimate thing. So, Ryan, what's the thing that I missed? The Egos Duikana and his lieutenants oh, yeah. are hanging out in Ikana Castle. So they didn't get sent back to heaven. Like, they're, the end of their story is they're still ghosts in that oh. castle. And so any idea that, like, the resolution of the Stone Tower plot was that you would put these spirits to rest... It doesn't seem to be quite the case. Yeah. Because they're ghosting around. At least not those spirits. I don't know. Yeah, it must be just some of them then. Or the text is inconsistent. Mm, nah. Uh, then we cut to the Lost Woods again. What was the thing that you said we would want to talk about later? Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, so we're in the Lost Woods. And the there's a stump. And there has been a carved carving of um, Link and Skull Kid and two fairies. And in the background, the giants and everybody's friends now. And then it plays Saria's song. Which is here. I, for a second, I was like, why is it Saria's song? Saria is not involved in this. But it's the song that links Link and Skull Kid because you taught him that song in that other game. Mm. Yep. And that's it. We beat the game. Such a good ending. We beat the game. It's very good. I like this game. <laughs> it's all right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, um, there's something that we've been kind of putting off for a while now. And devoted listeners probably can tell that on the next episode, we're really going to finally get into... The question of who or what Majora is. Finally. So we'll see you then.